Hello and welcome to the Hit Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I am your host, Dave. Welcome to episode 24. What have you been listening to this week? Uh, I've been pretty pop-punking it this past week. Uh, I've been listening to a band called The Swellers. It's an album good for me that's just one of my very favorite like pop-punk or pop-punk adjacent albums. Nice. Also, some I guess older Motion City soundtrack. I don't. It's all older now. I guess I don't know how it's you true, classify yeah. it. Uh, even if it kills me and commit this to memory, those two albums. So I guess kind of like middle years. Yeah, that like that prime time. Yeah. of, uh, of uh, Motion City. Just bangers after bangers. Let's get fucked up and die. I'm speaking figuratively, of course, like the last time that I committed suicide. Social suicide. Yeah, so I'm already dead. On the inside. Classic, classic pop punk. What about you? What have you been listening to? I've been on kind of both sides of the spectrum here. I went, I've been listening to a little bit of melodic hardcore. Always good. With uh, Shy Halud's Given Flight by Demon's Wings. Okay, I saw you yep. posted something the other day about Shy Halud, so uh, get that connection. That's why, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That song is just so fucking good. Uh, and then on the other end of it, much like you did a little bit ago, I was listening to Morning View from Incubus. Ooh, nice. That's always a nice, good chill. And one of my favorite songs, and that has always been the Aqueous Transmission at the yes. very end. It's oh, just, man. You pop it on, it's just so mellow. Oh, it's so good. That's one of those songs where it really like captures the feeling and puts you in the like, yeah. place that the song wants you to be in. Yes. You really feel like you're floating down a river and they even have like the the sound effects and shit like the frogs and the bugs and yeah like i feel like a lot of times putting stuff like that in songs can be kind of cheesy but if that's perfect in that song yeah, it's so it good adds to it Now, if you want to listen to these songs as well, you can find those and what we're going to be talking about later on the Hit Shuffle Podcast playlist, and you can find that at hitshufflepodcast.com. All right, so Dave is up first this week, so go ahead and roll that die, and let's see what you get. Eleven. Good number. Mostly Memories by Less Than Jake. Such a good song. One of the best backing vocals ever absolutely all right and that was mostly memories by less than jake off their 2006 album in with the out crowd it's a good song it is it's one of the better songs off of that album. I agree. I feel like. And that album was, I think, I don't know if it still is, but at least when it came out, it was a very, I don't know, controversial, I guess. Yeah, I mean, divisive. it was, it kind of split the fan base. And it also kind of split the band in some respects. Because it was quite a departure from uh, the previous sound. Uh, now we yeah. We had Less Than Jake on here a little while ago, and that was off of Hello Rock View, which was 1998, and this is 2006. So. Episode 17, if you want to hear more. Nice plug. <laughs> so almost a decade later here, and uh, they had two albums in the meantime, Borders and Boundaries, which was released actually on Fat Wreck. Yep. And then uh, Anthem, which was the one prior to this, what, 2003? 
2004? Something like that. I don't have it written down. Yeah. But, I mean, the anthem, I think, was a little bit different from kind of the classic sound, but not really in this same way. No, I mean, it was different, but it wasn't this type of different. Yeah, it was branching out a little bit. Maybe little hints of yeah of this. but A little bit poppier here and there. You know, a little bit uh, more mainstream-ish sound on some of the songs, but not... Not to the extent that this album was. Now, the, I found two different takes from the band about the direction for the sound of this album. Vinny said that uh, they wanted to do different things because the band felt that they were shortchanging the fans if they basically just kind of recorded you know, the same album over and over, the same type of thing. So the fans needed new material. Whereas Chris said that uh, the album was them jumping out of the box and trying something different because they had, at that point, like 140 songs. Yeah, 140 songs. That's wild. <laughs> As a band. So, you know, you want to do something different. And I love this quote. You release some songs and a bunch of kids bitch about it. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. It's a very Krista makes response. Yeah, it, like... it is. And, I mean, I feel I have to agree with, with both takes of the band. Now, I was a fan of this when it came out, I was not one of the people who didn't like uh, the new direction that this was in. I was kind of in the middle. Overall, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the whole album, but there were a lot of songs in the album that I really liked. Now, I feel like them having like overrated as kind of the main single maybe wasn't the best Probably not way the best to move. go no. because, I don't know, that was just... I feel like not really representative of the sound of the whole album and everything. Yeah, I mean, even Vinny was saying part, another part of that conversation Vinny had was that they were trying to have a wider variety of styles, including what he said was, I'm paraphrasing here, was slow, the specials influences, minor chord ska, catchy pop punk, and some Foo Fighters influences, which yeah, I mean, makes you, sense with that album. You can hear all of that throughout the album, and... I mean, you totally get the band had been around for quite a long time at this point. This was their sixth full-length studio album. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, the other the EPs, EPs and yeah. cover albums and stuff they've always done. And, you know, with 140 songs, yeah, at some point, you, as a musician, you want to do something different. You want to experiment with different sounds and influences. You can only write the same thing so many times. Yeah, this wasn't their second album. Like, they had been around for a while and... 140 songs yeah. is a lot. Like they have, they had a lot of songs in that, you know, traditional less than Jake sound. Yeah. And if you look at like the technical, like what most bands put out as a full length album, they could have had 10 full length albums out by that point with yeah. how many songs that they had. Well, yeah. I mean, 140 songs, 14 songs, an album. Like, yeah, that's like 10 albums, yeah. normal albums worth of material. So, which is crazy. I mean, just, from like our experience playing in bands, not doing anything nearly that much, you do. You want to write something yeah, want different. Something new. Spice it up a little bit. I mean, how many times did I regret playing <laughs> a, one of our songs because it was 10 years old at the time and I was like, I'm fucking done. Yeah, this like, is. I'm tired of playing this song. This is not the sound that you have in your mind anymore. Yeah, and it's not 140 songs later. It was like seven songs later. Yeah, so <laughs> obviously with a band that has many more songs and that are going out playing all of them every single night, you're, you want to do different stuff. And you see that all the time with artists. You know, they get like a, a really popular song or album and like that's all people want to hear. And eventually they're just like, no, I'm not playing it. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Yeah. Now, Roger went the other way. Uh, talking about how he felt that Howard Benson, who produced the album, who also did Hello Rock View... Which was like, also the album that we did on episode 17. One of several little coincidental tie-ins. Yeah. That he was pushing them more towards a slow-tempo mainstream sound. And Roger wanted more, you know, punk rock. He felt that it wasn't the best representation of the band at the time. Which yeah, I, mean, I can understand for sure. Yeah, you can definitely hear that in the production. Now, personally, I wouldn't say that the album is like overproduced no it's definitely more produced than the prior yeah, less than jake yeah. albums and it, it's definitely got a mainstream sound i can say i think it would have sounded a bit better if 
they like what Roger was saying, the production had gone a little edgier, a little grittier, a little, punk, yeah. a little more punk. But it's it's kind of surprising actually, it being the same producer as Hello Rock View. Although I guess at the time Hello Rock View was kind of a really big jump in production yeah, for the band. It was. But compared to this, Hello Rock View does have more of that edgier punker sound than in with the out crowd does. Considerably more. Also, one thing that I know split a lot of the fan base and myself also was that there was a notably less there was notably less involvement of the horn sections. Yeah, now in this album. This song is not a good example of no, that because but in general. Yeah, there's I mean I even say in this song compared to some of their other ones. Yeah, it's definitely not like your normal ska where the horns are throughout. Now like this it's got like the horn hook and then there's horns in the chorus and some other parts, but I would say this no, I don't want to say hornier, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> this song has probably the most or close to the most horns of any song on the album yeah so to go from here and say well this is like the most amount of horns you're going to get in a song yeah that's not very in comparison to other less than jake songs right and it's i mean that was a conscious choice yeah in, in the writing and everything now speaking of the horns uh compared to hello rafi that we talked about last time JR had joined the band. Yep. Since Hella Rockview, which JR had come from Spring Hill Jack, uh, which we just had in episode 23. Last time. Last time? Last time. Yeah. Last episode, yeah. But after Hella Rockview, he had joined Less Than Jake from Spring Hill Jack. Yeah. So then this would be, I guess, what you would consider like the main peak Less Than Jake lineup. This was like the solid Roger, Chris, Vinny, going forward, like Buddy, Jr. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And I did find that there was talking about the crowd reaction. Louder magazine had uh, the ranking of Less Than Jake's albums from worst to best. This was the second worst rated album on their list. Wow, wow. Now I I don't know if I would go that far. This is what I'm about to say to that because their worst rated album was Pezcore. So I wouldn't Ooh, really no, take no, no, uh, no, 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 take no. what they say too seriously because that's I don't know was it was it an old it was a pretty thing, it was like maybe? when it came out yeah like they're the newer albums I think should probably be below yeah, yeah. out crowd there was only there were only nine so it was I, it was a while yeah. it was I think it was right after in with the out crowd came out but yeah if, if you have Pezcore as the worst <laughs> so album yeah, I'm that, not listening to what you're saying take that with a grain of salt but. I just thought it was interesting that somebody had it ranked. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think it like it's always been kind of one of those albums for less than Jake and I think it's not as big of a deal now as it was when it came out. Oh, but no. um there's still people that are like, "No, I don't listen to that album. I don't like it. I'm never going to listen to it." There's a lot of people that came around to it. Uh, I mean, I would definitely not put it in you know, anywhere near the top. No. It's definitely not like a top five less than Jake album. I've just never felt it was as bad or as offensive as a lot of people on the internet made it out to be in the mid-2000s. Well, the issue was it was different, and people don't like different normally. Yeah, now see, you know you know me, I'm always for different in music. Yeah. You know, people, I always support people experimenting and adding new things and influences and everything. So I like I like to see... You know, a band like Less Than Jake, when they do something like this and try to add these other sounds and what comes out, what happens from it. Now, the going into the actual song itself, I mean, it opens up with that nice little, nice little drum fill. We have one of those attention grabbers. Yep. Like, oh, this is the beginning of the song. Okay. And then it goes into the horn line and, you know, open strumming guitars and what sounds like there's some kind of programmed marimba. Uh, underneath the horn part yeah there's something i yes i was trying to figure out i didn't even get as far as something like a marimba i tried to cheat and look in like the recording credits for the album but outside of the band there's just percussion and 
programming. So, which is why I think it had to be like Howard Benson on the keys, like yeah, just programming some kind of sound. It's it's really hard to hear. I mean, I had to like turn the volume up and listen to try to isolate yeah. that out, but it really adds to that horn part. It with, does with that kind of in the middle of the horn melody. Because there's also an organ later on in the song, so that kind of made me think that Benson had something to do with programming some kind of instrument in there. There was there was some keys or some MIDI or something, yeah, definitely going on. But I mean, it, it's I feel like those are both good additions. Yeah, outside of you know the lineup of the band, just adding some studio sounds and stuff like the the marimba sound really still again just sets off that horn part for me, gives it that extra little bit. Well, the horns don't really have a sharp hit to them like when they when they come in they're more of a softer yeah because they consider an attack but that marimba gives it that like percussive hit that yeah you, that really you don't normally get with horns gives an edge to it and yeah. I, I really like the way that that horn part is written where it's like the very short staccato melody mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me whenever i hear that i always think of the streetlight cover of postal, postal service because yeah. it's all of that all like staccato horn parts yeah but that's i love horn parts like that it's just such a cool sound and it goes into the first verse which is a nice little bass line Yeah, I, re- I really love the tone of the bass, but I feel like it's not prominent enough in the mix. It's pretty hidden. Yeah, yeah it's, especially for it being less than Jake and yeah. for it being Roger. Like, you really have to listen for it. And when you hear it, like, this, this tone of it and the sound of it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's buried too far. It also, it seems very basic. Yeah, I was, Roger I was surprised. I actually looked up the tab yeah. when we were researching, and I, it's, I think it's the simplest, less than Jake baseline i've ever oh, seen what's one of them for sure <laughs> now i don't know i mean we know that roger can do anything he wants on the bass even on the songs that he sings lead like this so it's not you know it's not an issue of that i don't i guess just the new direction they didn't yeah didn't want as much of the you know walking complex ska bass which is sad because everything should have that this is probably part of what he was talking about was being put in more into a mainstream sound because you're not going to have you know typical Roger bass lines in a main, mainstream sounding song, right? The the producers probably like you need to tone it down a little. Yeah. So I'm sure that you know the producers who put the bass all the way down there in the but, mix like that. Look who you're talking to, like <laughs> let him let him free, let him do his thing. And I think I don't know if this is purely me speculating, but the first Rehasher album came out in 2004. And this album was written and recorded in 2005. So I'm wondering if maybe Roger having his own band and having more creative influence and then being kind of stifled with this Less Than Jake album is what produced that frustration because that interview was from 2016. Yep. So 10 years later, he's, you know, they're asking him about it and he's still saying he didn't like it. So I feel like that, like he really got to flex his creative muscles and then come back to less than jake and they're like do root notes yeah calm down a little bit no you don't calm roger down no you make roger crazier you give him open reign and go here go nuts and i do have to say i always love a roger vocal song when roger does lead yeah now i mean he only does lead for the first verse because he's doing the harmonies for the rest of it there are no harmonies in the first verse they both they both might be doing the choruses because it sounds there's definitely a dual vocal. I don't know if it's just a dual vocal of Chris, but you know. well, I've been exposed, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's to be fair. Less than Jake vocal parts are the, hard to distinguish. They're definitely Chris and Roger can sound very much alike. Yes, if they're singing the same thing. Well, anyway, I like Roger's vocals in the vocals that he does in this song. Yes, that's fair. And of course. He does have, in the backing vocals of the chorus, possibly the single greatest backing line that has ever been recorded. Memories. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly memories. Memories. That's definitely the one, right? (laughs) Totally. Definitely not the second line. No. 
where it's the backing vocal is just tunities. Most missed opportunities. Tunities. And then tunities. I remember since the first time we heard that song, that has just jumped out at me. How could it not? It's just you're just like jamming along, and then tunities. You're like, what is the tunity? Did you just make up a word, Roger? But it's a good, uh, good little vocal harmony, all kind of harmony. I mean, it's, I really do like the way that the chorus has that little back and forth kind yeah. of. Like, I guess it's more of a call repeat, and, call yeah. and response type situation. But it's the whole chorus is kind of built really well with that, and then like the guitar and bass kind of do like a descending slide down the chords, but then at the end they like jump back up with a couple hits. Yeah. So you get a good dynamic there, and then the horns do kind of long, drawn out notes, which is very different to the main horn melody, which is the super short, uh, super short staccato horn part that's fucking hard to say (laughs) (laughs) well it comes out of that first chorus and returns to that that intro part then it brings back you know that bass part and guitar hits for the second verse it's just really more the same now i have to say when we were listening to this i believe it's in the, the second verse or it might be the third verse but there's a part where the power chords drop out and there's actually like little clean picked guitar part yeah and i never heard that before no i never really (laughs) picked it up until we listened to it super closely with the headphones on and the volume turned up and really concentrating i'm like wow he like did a couple little little, like picked nothing major uh, but yeah it's just little just a little touch like one of those things like i say all the time if it wasn't there it would probably be way more apparent than it is with it it being there there. but then that takes you Right back into the chorus. It's just kind of more the same on the chorus there. Yeah, it definitely, you can see where they get a bit of the more mainstream formulae. Although, I mean, I guess Ska's never really, Ska's never really been, you know, complex structurally. No, but this is, this is like early pop punk simple structure. Yeah, there's, there's really not much variation or anything until like the, bridge and then the final chorus which and is even that it's it's intro verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus twice outro which standard pop punk that's your yeah and it's pretty much the standard pop punk to alter the last chorus to do it twice and alter the second time you go through it yeah, yeah. typically you add a harmony you shift the key half well, they, time it some... they brought back the intro yeah that's where they bring added back the intro into, part into the chorus with the marimba and the horns Which, I like that part, but with everything all together at the end there, it, it gets a little bit a little ca- busy. chaotic. Yeah, it's it's kind of, everything's going on, but it's not all feeling perfectly tied together. I mean, you can, it really does feel like they just, they built the song out, and then at the end they're like, we need to do something more, and they just copy and paste the just intro. like every single just, track. Just, just copied it, pushed it over, and made that the second chorus. Yeah, you can really, in things like that, see the production and stuff yeah. that they're talking about. I feel like almost that kind of thing is more of an issue than like the sound or the the direction the music's going. Yeah, is I agree. Like the the simplification of the song structures and just being formulaic pop yeah. punk. Well, they said they wanted some catchy pop punk, and this is pretty much catchy pop punk song. Yeah, it is. It, it it it's the only thing that's a little bit different is that it is like the minor key, like Vinny was saying in the one interview. Yeah. But it does. It's got the upbeat, high energy pop punk feel mm-hmm. and the power chords the and everything. And, yeah. The only thing is the power chords is it's a little minor instead of a major progression. But overall, not really 
musically I don't know what I'm saying. I understand what you mean <laughs> though, yeah. Like it's it's not a bad song. I enjoy the song, but they're definitely not really going out there with this song at all. It's not structurally diverse. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> it's very formulaic and I think without the main horn melody and without the tunities, it really wouldn't stand out. No, no. Not bad, just no, it's kinda just... average, middle of the road type of song. Not quite a filler track, but Yeah. But close to it. Won't won't skip it if it comes on, but probably won't seek it out to put it on specifically. Right. Unless you want to laugh about tunities. Tunity. That's, well, that's yeah, different. every once in a while you need a good tunity. <laughs> Everybody needs a good tunity. I forgot to mention this at the time that it would be appropriate. But between Hello Rockview and this album, Less Than Jake did some very interesting tours. They did. They opened for Bon Jovi. Yes. And then they were on Project Revolution. Yes. <laughs> which I think that was the first Project Revolution or the second one. I think it was the second one. It was it was one with Snoop Dogg, right? Yes, it was one with Snoop. So, you know, New Metal, Snoop Dogg, Less Than Jake. Bon Jovi. <laughs> totally makes sense. And in addition to that, after this album, on what I guess would still be the touring cycle for him with the Out Crowd, they did one of the greatest ska tours of all time absolutely which we were lucky enough to go see yes which was less than jake real big fish and streetlight manifesto in a triple headlining tour and against authority opened which i had completely forgotten yeah. about that until you brought it up but they were really fun they opener. Were like they had a great just energy good punk, just real good punk rock like and that was oh, less than Jake had a whole prices right gimmick. Like they had actual like full size prices right game stage yep. props. Trivia. And one of my favorite things I've ever seen at a show, they had a big wheel with all of their albums on it, which they spun and would play two or three songs off of whatever album it landed on and then spin it again. That's more bands that have huge catalogs need to do that. Yeah. So that way it's like every night, every show is kind of different. And then even as the band, like you don't necessarily know. And I think they were kind of on the spot, like picking off of the album. Yeah. What they were going to play. I mean, you can even make it like, how cool would that be? Because... It would keep it different every night because even if you land on the same album, pick a different song. Pick different songs. Yeah, yeah you're not playing the same ones. All right, like, and I'm sure you could have just like different band members could call out a song or yeah. whatever, and like everybody knows all of them. So you yeah, know. all 375 songs that they have. But I thought that was a really fun thing to do, and then the crowd feels like they're involved in the set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were calling people up. To do these things. Yeah, shooting t-shirt cannons out in the crowd. It was just, it was one of the greatest shows and stage experiences that I've seen in a concert ever. Yep. And being with Real Big Fish and Streetlight too, like. It's just a hell of a show. Three of the best ska bands all on one tour. So once again, that was Mostly Memories by Less Than Jake off of their 2006 album, In With The Out Crowd. We'll be right back with Matt's role after this. All right, and we are back. Matt, it's your role. So let's see what you get. 16. 16. Big roll. Huzzah. That is Lagwagon with the song Errands. Nice. A little bit different. So that song was Errands by the band Lagwagon off the album. I think my older brother used to listen to Lagwagon. What a great name. That's a good name. These guys have been around for a while. I was surprised. I mean, I'm 
kind of familiar with Lagwagon. I knew they'd been around a while. Did not know they were as old as me. Like <laughs> the band, not the, the people band, in the not band. Not the people. Formed in 1989 in California. I was thinking maybe mid-90s. Yeah, yeah, that's what, I mean, I knew it was like, you know, 90s punk rock, but 1989, wow. That's, that's, that's impressive. And they've released music as recently as 2019, so. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've released a lot of music, uh, both as a band and as Joey Cape as a solo artist, the lead singer. Yeah, that dude's everywhere. He's done so many singles and compilations and, and features. and It's one of these maniacs like you see every now and then who just is like constantly doing music with multiple bands and yeah. just putting stuff out all the time, and I don't understand how they do that. Yeah, I don't either. It just, it, seems, like, it just seems like too much work. Yeah, I mean, being in one band and putting out a good album every couple of years seems very hard. But yeah. Yes. To just be like, no, you know what? I'm going to do that in like four bands and they're going to be totally different. And I'm not even going to do the same instruments in each band. <laughs> right. <laughs> their name is a reference to their old tour van. The Lag Wagon. Which is a pretty, pretty good name for a tour van, I got to say. They were actually originally late. They were actually originally named Section. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh. Now they were originally named Section 8 And then Fat Mike was like That's a bad band name Yeah Because as you can imagine There were numerous bands in California called that And they had a song about their van called Lagwagon He was like you should just name it that Good advice That's great advice They did and look where they are now 30 some years later Speaking of Fat Mike They've had How many was it? Nine studio albums released through Fat Records. Yeah, they, uh, all of their, everything except one EP. They yes. did They did a split single in 1994 that was not on Fat, but everything else was Fat Records. That's so, consistency. Yeah, I mean, they are, and I think they've been on like every compilation. And oh man, all the, all the major ones. Pretty much as they've just been on there putting out punk music as long as, that record's been around. Yep. Now, they did go on hiatus in 2000, an official hiatus in 2000. Their uh, their history and timeline's a little bit twisty and confusing. A little, a little wonky. And I think right after that hiatus was really when Joey Cape's solo career started being uh, more of a thing. Yeah. Because this is when he started doing some of the splits and singles and compilation albums a couple years after that hiatus, up until... As recent as 2021, which is crazy. Still doing after all this time and all these records. Now, this was released, this EP that this is on is released in 2008, of course, under Fat Records. Which was their last release before their second hiatus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just what I was getting a little mixed up on. Now, this was, I believe, Joey Cape was spending time with Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, as well as his own Joey Cape under his own name stuff. Right. Because, oh yeah, he's also the one of the guitarists in Me First and the, the Gimme Gimmies. How could he not be? As if he didn't do enough already. Now, what I thought was a interesting little roller coaster ride was after the band... On the hiatus, I guess. On the hiatus. I believe that's called uh, reuniting. <laughs> in in 2010, uh, their bassist, who had been with the band since the beginning, had left, I guess, during the hiatus or when they decided to come back. Just didn't come back, yeah. From it. So they replaced him with a bassist from another band, as one does, and then announced that that guy wasn't going to work out and they were testing out new bassists. And then they announced... A second new bassist. And then they announced, oh, actually, no, that didn't work out. Yeah, the first guy first, that yep. we said didn't work out is going to be the guy. So that, I thought, was a little weird. That's like, this is our new bassist. Oh, no, it's not. This is our new bassist. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, the first guy. No, we're taking him <laughs> back. No, it's... That's crazy. I mean, but their member timeline chart doesn't super reflect that. It's more just like... 
I mean, since it starts in 1990 and ends in 2023, it is a remarkably simple yeah. chart compared to a lot of the bands that we see on here. There's just a, a couple changes, and most of the changes were early on. I mean, aside from the bassist that joined in 2010, all of the current members have been in the band since the mid-90s. Yep. Not a whole lot of turnover. I, but I guess when the band goes on hiatus regularly and everybody's free to be in other bands and work on side projects, it's because a lot of times guys leave to do something else. Yeah. And it's like one of these like, well, no, we need you here full time or whatever. Yep. But if you want to work on something and they're just like, yeah, go ahead, then everybody can still kind of stay together and get together every year or two or whatever. Yeah, every couple of years and put something out or play some shows or we had another band that was doing that. I can't remember who on one of our other episodes. Oh yeah. Just like every couple of years they get, play a show. get together and, yeah. and play some. I'll figure it out. Spring Hill Jack. There it is. They just kind of like every year they play one to three shows. It seems yeah. like a festival here or there or something. But Lagwagon has been still sporadically recording and releasing new material. Yes, which is awesome because I love these guys. Yeah, I mean, they did kind of go a long period after around when this EP came out because they hadn't released an album in three years before this, and then they didn't release one for six years after, after this. Yeah. So that was kind of a long drought of Joey Cape doing like three or four other things. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this came out in 2008 and in 2014 they put out hang. And then again, they put out railer in 2019. So fairly recent and you got to figure out 2019 or so after that, everything gets messed up from COVID and the pandemic. So right. from like 2019 to 2022, you kind of, can't really say if a band was active or not yeah because there was no being, no such thing as being active being active was going on your instagram live and playing some songs yeah doing a zoom concert yeah you weren't doing shows that's for sure i also think it's funny that they have them listed as melodic hardcore i mean i guess maybe some songs or some albums stuff, at some kind point, of but i can't just funny you know i'm familiar with Lagwagon, but i can't say that you know i have like an encyclopedic knowledge of their albums or anything so i what i'm familiar with is more kind of like your straight up punk maybe yeah. hardcore influenced punk kind of like this song just yeah power chords octave chords that one really fast punk drum beat that every punk song has Yum. i don't know why that sounded evil <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the actual song then, because it has an amazing intro. Yeah, I, I wish that the intro was a whole song. Yes. Like its own whole song, a separate song. I don't know where it came from, because it's, aside from, I think, the same key, it has like no musical connection no. to the rest of the song whatsoever. It's only a couple seconds long. I can't. For the life of me, could not think of the style of music. I have been trying to think of that the whole time. Like it's and right I don't on the tip know, of my like, tongue, and I can't remember it, what it's called. Drinking some kind of alcohol on a beach in Europe with bad intentions. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> we'll call it Mediterranean hangover. Yeah, it's, it's not like pirate but it's like pirate adjacent almost it's, like, it's not calypso yeah i i don't know enough about music styles around the world to be able to i, I know the sound i've heard the sound before yeah but i don't know what it's called this is like also you see like two people in like pressed satin shirts dancing around each other in some grotto somewhere oh yeah yeah <laughs> And then boom, right into a fucking punk. Yeah, and then it does like four bars of that, a little rest, and then punk. Yeah. Just and right like I said, just straight up that punk drum beat that yep. you know. Got it's just driving power chords, little octave chords here and there over top to add some melody and 
whatnot. They have that little like it's not a lead line, but it's like a the riff ender. Yeah, that the two guitars yeah, play, like where little, it's like kind of like a little turnaround. Climbs or down, something. little turnaround. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Nice little touch, and what I think about Lagwagon that's always stood out a little bit to me is Joey Cape's vocals are not nearly as aggressive as what you generally hear with this type of music. No, they never have been. Yeah. Not saying that he, you know, he can't, but like this song's a good example. You've got your very, you know, aggressive driving punk music, but the vocals are, you know, he's not breaking his voice up. He's not yelling or screaming or anything. It's a very melodic singing. Yep. Yeah. He's always had a really good melody. Which a lot of singers in this type of music are just kind of like, <laughs> but it just kind of like an an amelodic shouting, yeah, or like aggressive talking, which isn't bad because I mean that's no. the sound of the music, but that's a little, it's that little thing that sets Lagwagon apart is the very oh, nice, Cope's pleasant vo- yeah, singing. Joey, Joey Cape's vocals. Joey Cope's vocals. Joey Cope's vocals <laughs> have always been super unique too. Like they're they're not like anybody else. And you can always pick him out in a song. Oh, yeah. Always. It's just so nice to listen to. It's very uh, very pleasant. Now, they have the super catchy chorus with your strumming guitars, your octave guitars. I mean, it's everything you want from a hardcore punk chorus. Yeah. And then it goes into this wild shredding solo. Again, another kind of like, just where did they get this from? I mean, and it's, I don't even know. Again, stylistically, it's like kind of, I don't know, metally, but then it almost kind of reminds me of like Buckethead. It's like hair metal inspired. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's very shreddy, noodly, yeah. super fast, technical, which. It sounds really cool. You just really don't, don't expect, expect it. it. You don't really see that in this type of music in general. I don't I guess it's just, you know, all these guys have these varied musical backgrounds and different side projects and sometimes just throw something in the middle yeah. of a punk song. Why not? Spices it up. Get, you know, that's what sets you apart cuz there's a there especially at the time there were a lot of bands with this general sound. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them were influenced by Lagway. Yeah. <laughs> but see, you don't have those little touches, that little bit of extra genius like Joey Cape. Yep. And you don't put out music for 30 plus years. Yeah. And then it goes into, a, I guess you'd call it a quiet little bridge. Yeah, a little bit of a... It's kind of a little respite, you know? Which leads us back into another chorus. It's one of those things, kind of like the beginning of the song, where it's this real calm, like... Completely different style, and then it just smacks you in the face of that drum beat again. Yeah, I mean, for being a short and, for the most part, relatively simple song, it manages to take you a lot of places and give you a lot of different transitions. Yeah. In such a short time. And they have those guitar hits with those big drum rolls that I really like at the very end. Oh, yeah. And those drum rolls are going great. out. Yeah, it's, it's great drums throughout. I mean, it's, you know... No kind of virtuoso drumming or whatever. It's punk music, you know. Yeah, but it's really you don't good have punk that. Drumming. It's solid. Yeah. It's tight. It's super fast. Like those fast rolls are really snappy. Yes, it's just good all around. Like it's. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's a. It's a just, just over three minutes, but it does not feel like a three minutes song. No, it's. It feels way faster. Yeah. Like listening to it, especially on repeat when we were researching it, it's just. Seems like it flies by. It's, and it does. It's, it's got that high pace, high yeah. energy, and those different sections really help. Yeah, you you. There's like a lot of movement. Yeah, you're getting new sections, new things to listen to. So you're not paying attention to oh, I've been in this one section for 
45 seconds now. It's, oh, this is one section. Oh, I'm going to this. Oh, we're moving to that. Oh, here's a wild solo. Oh, here's some crazy slow part. Oh, here's another chorus for you. And then the song's over. Now, see, that's something I think that we haven't really talked about a whole lot through the episodes is pacing. Yeah. The pacing of a song. And sometimes, like, a verse being too long or something like that can just ruin it. Kill yeah. it. Yep. And there's, there's not that. It's like, no. Before you have a chance to get bored, it's like, oh, where are we going now? Yeah. If anything, I could you could hold on to one of these verses for a little bit longer, and I'd be okay. Yeah, because it's. I mean, because I like it. <laughs> it's it's just good. There's just it's like there's a little bit of octave chords here yep. and there. Just that little that little guitar turn around. Like, everything just goes is together so well, written so well. I will say that the solo is the perfect length. Yeah, it is. It doesn't stay overstay its welcome. It, it pretty much just when you. Start with about to be getting over the novelty of it, you're back in the song. Yeah. So there's no point to be like, this is a really weird shred thing in yeah. the middle of the song. You're just like, oh, wow, damn. That's cool. He's shredding on that guitar. And then we're back. The lyrics, yeah, the lyrics of the song are. are... As, as best oh. as I can tell, I don't know. The, the chorus seems like it's talking about drug addiction or yes. drug, drug abuse. But the I don't know, like the the tone or the perspective of the lyrics is It's kinda weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a third person ish. Yeah, I saw I was trying to see if there were other interpretations of the lyrics online and there's you know, not a lot, obviously, as it's just kind of a lag wagon song off an E P, so there's not gonna be right, it's not some <laughs> a million release. things about it. But it but it's, thing, kind of, it's kind of like a, somebody, a drug user who's running away to get more drugs. Yeah, I, the the one part that's clear to me is like the line in the chorus of about why don't you think for the next tweak? Yeah, and then like there's the two different. It's going to be the last mistake you make, and it's going to be your legacy, and it's going to devastate all of them. That was the clear part of like. A, you're going to do drugs again in one of these times. It's going to be, be the last, the last yeah. time. And then everybody that you know is going to be devastated, which that part is pretty clear. The The rest of it, I'm assuming that the, like, Aaron's, which is the name of the song, is, like, the person's code word or cover for right, going like, oh, to I'm get drugs. Run, yeah, I'm, some errands. yeah. I'm I'm never great at reading into lyrics and understanding where the writer was coming from and everything. I mean, that's pretty much what I got out of it was something about somebody who was using, maybe they were, somebody was trying to like stop them or, you know, holding them down from using it. And then they were like, fine, fuck this. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And then they just left to go. And they left to go, you know, they left and moved to New York city. Do more errands. And do more errands. But then eventually it's like then then it goes back to that person like, hey man, this is one of these times it's gonna be your last time doing this. Like this is gonna be the legacy you leave behind and make everyone sad. Yeah. I like the little change just of that one line yeah. from the chorus of like it's gonna be the last mistake you make to it's gonna be your legacy. Mm -hmm. You just add it it it's like a subtle way of moving that like a, a little bit closer, I feel like. Yeah, it, yeah. It's like the, the person's moved a little bit closer to that last time or the other person feels like it's, it's getting closer, closer to that last time. Like instead of thinking about it's going to be the last time, the legacy is like they're already thinking about after that yep. last time. So a little bit of, I guess, narrative. Yeah. But hey, lyrics mean what you want them to mean to you. So if you get something else out of it, then you get something else out of it. True. And I think especially like with punk music, it's always been yeah. very much of like nobody's trying to say everybody has to interpret my lyrics this way. Like, right. That's I've seen multiple artists just be like, you know, this is what I was thinking of when I wrote it. And sometimes it's not like a specific thing. Yeah. It's like an imagined scenario or something like that. But, as you know, if you listen to the song and it makes you feel something, that's the important that's, part. That's what they're going for. Next week, it's going to be your legacy. 
And that was the song Errands by the band Lagwagon off of the album I Think My Older Brother Used to Listen to Lagwagon. And we'll be right back after this. And again, my song was Mostly Memories by Less Than Jake off their 2006 album In With The Out Crowd. And my song was Errands by Lagwagon off the 2008 EP I Think My Older Brother Used to Listen to Lagwagon. You can find these songs as well as the songs from all of our prior episodes on our Hit Shuffle podcast playlist on Spotify. And you can find us online on the various social medias, Twitter and Instagram. We are at hit underscore shuffle. We have a Facebook page. It's just the Hit Shuffle podcast. And you can find all of that on our website, hitshufflepodcast.com. And if you would be so kind, we would very greatly appreciate it if on your podcatcher of choice, you would rate us, make a comment, follow us, Whatever yours, whatever you feel like doing. Yes, please. If you enjoy the show, unfortunately, that is the only thing pretty much the algorithms care about. Yeah. So really helps us out in spreading the podcast. And now we're going to roll for your song this week. So let's go ahead and get a die. Roll it out. Ten. And that's a ten. So go ahead and shuffle ten into your library. Tell us what song you get. Tell us a little bit about it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hit us up. Hit us up like Rufio. Let's uh, let's get some audience participation. <laughs> Is that the word you're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> let's get some audience participation. And for the Hit Shuffle Podcast, I have been your host, Matt. And I have been your host, Dave. Go run some errands. Go run some errands. <laughs> Don't do but drugs. But not like that. Not like the way <laughs> in the song. Don't know. Don't do drugs. Go, go do tasks and chores. Well, do drugs do. safely, but just not the bad ones. Yeah. But no, <laughs> I don't know. Super Chicago. <laughs>